What's the agenda? The agenda is... Um, I'm just going to hit you with some random stuff that's happening in the world. I'd like to talk about Ukraine. I don't know what you have to say on that particularly. Um, well, everything thing... I say about Ukraine is to make peace in Ukraine. And every day that goes by means that we get a worse and worse peace with a greater and greater risk of escalation. Uh, but, I'm very uh, predictable on Ukraine. It's my least interesting it's my least interesting take on anything because it's always the same. No, but that but is that, quite but the reason it's the same is because it's so fucking blindingly obvious what's going to happen if we don't sort it out and it's so fucking blindingly obvious what we should do to sort it out. And it, I can't I'm, believe how fucking slow-minded people are. Like at the start of every war, everyone's like, "Yeah, this one's gonna be a good one." <laughs> oh, I didn't realize we'd started. We're on the good side this time, and they never fucking are, except for the. So, so that's that's Ukraine covered, <laughs> right? I mean, your take is actually very interesting because it's uh, not one that you hear very often. Weirdly, do you think that? Do you think the most interesting thing about it is the weird? hardline take of the sort of British and American media? Is that par for the course? Par for the course, but I think I do understand why people, day-to-day -day people who aren't paying a great deal of attention um, have thought, oh, well, you've got to resist aggression. And I get that. Um, it's quite a human reaction um, that Russia escalated the situation in uh, February the 22nd of last year and uh, probably 24th uh, last year. And, you know, people think, well, you need to do something about that. And I completely get that. But it's also fucking mind-numbingly simple to think that that's, you know, that by es by us escalating ad infinitum ourselves is going um, is going to solve anything. Currently, the um, Ukraine, uh, Ukraine has uh, alleged that there are explosives on top of a nuclear power station, which would cause a full-on meltdown uh, in Zaporizhia. It's like that, the very fact that we've got to that stage, that they're alleging that Russia has planted um, uh, detonators on, uh, on the roof of this power plant. Uh, I mean, even if Russia had done that, it's, it, it, it begs the question, well, what should we do about that then? Um, you know, break up Russia, that's not going to be, it's not going to go well at all. Uh, and we wouldn't even be able to do that anyway without it, without them destroying this nuclear power plant, um, which would be uh, with the, about the effect of Chernobyl. Um, or shall we uh, uh, maybe like find ways to find diplomacy in this situation? Um, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like... you know, that, I mean, that's just, it's, to me, it's just they, they give these, you like... have to do that. And I can't believe that like Russia because it involves the tiniest bit of uh, compromise and not going with your gut feeling to to be involved in a pub fight from afar, incidentally, using other people's lives um, to uh, to express your righteous indignation. Um, but obviously, you know what? But but also that's the the thing about the uh, explosives on the roof. It's probably not even true. It's probably that the Ukrainians are planning to bomb um, that power plant rather than the Russians. We don't really know, but um, Zelensky has said, oh, there's all this uh, explosives on the roof. And then they've got, um, uh, then I saw Michael Clark, who's an uh, American international relations expert, 
say, oh, yes, the Ukrainians are, are, are alleging this and it's very serious. The Russians are definitely going to do it. Are they crazy enough to do it? Of course they are. And they've got the picture of the satellite photograph on top of the uh, of the top of the nuclear power plant. And with Michael Clark saying, yes, there's definitely must be some explosive. There. It's like, well, you're showing us the picture. Where are the explosives then on the picture? You would know if it was if you knew it would be on the picture. Yeah, I don't but they know. can't do it because it's probably made up and it's probably just Ukraine indirectly threatening to uh, uh, to launch missiles at the um, uh, at the power plant rather than the Russians actually wanting to destroy from above their own uh, their own power plant. Yeah, well, there's there's two things about that. One is that yes, there's no despite the fact that the Ukrainian uh, government Zelensky has lied multiple times about yeah. lots of things. There's, uh, I'm not saying he is lying this time. I have no idea. But there's just a, this, we just, there's all British media and stuff, just take it, whatever the, the Ukrainians claim, they just sort of they jump just keep on taking that. it as, as, as yeah. a, though it's gospel truth. And then Michael Clark, who's this, he's like, he's like a mainstream international relations guy, security guy. Um, and then he's like, well, the, the, the Russians are saying that the Ukrainians are, uh, are going to attack the power station. But well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And, then, and no one questions him. He just says that in like a long clip. Like there's time for him to explain what he means. But these people just don't give a shit. But they then I have heard that the Russians have been asking people to leave the area or something. But equally, that would that would yeah, work both no things. Knows. Whether it was no Ukraine was going to blow up all the Russians, they would ask people to leave, presumably. Yeah. We've already had a dam be uh, uh, destroyed, whatever it was, about six weeks ago. Um, uh, we've already had the Nord Stream pipelines be uh, blown up. Um, yeah, the thing with the dam, uh, Western Europe and uh, and Russia with fuel, which has shot all of our prices right up through the roof um, for uh, for everything. And well, I mean, the, the, the and Nord... it's also been admitted. Can I by, just get there's a word. lot of officials now that have, <laughs> have admitted that um, that that was uh, US and U uh, Ukrainian uh, operation. It's just what, the, the, the Nord Stream. Yes, Nord Stream. Nord Stream right, but the, what about the dam? Who blew the, I don't blew think there's any clarity on that just yet. But they, they seem pretty... I was listening to the Times Radio podcast, and they, you know, <laughs> as I'm one to do. And they yeah, were... I, I listen to the Times as well. Every time it's like... It just feels like 1914. It's like we're, Putin's right on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Putin's right on the verge of dying. They've got re they're really good at getting the clickbait stuff. Win. They've got like... Um, like if uh, if Putin does this, we will end Putin. It's really good. It's really yeah. good, which I'm surprised by the times, but they, they seem to know what they're doing in terms of that. But I was they thinking certainly make, they certainly do good clickbait that yeah. with very little ability to forecast the future. But they're all mad, all these all these people, and they always roll out some public school boy lunatic who's just obviously had a terrible fucking time at school and is now taking it out on the world because they think that like Putin's their fucking prefect or something. It's like, no, I just, I, that doesn't qualify you to have any responsibility in international affairs. Do, do you think that the, the, our aggressive foreign policy is because of the abuses of the uh, boarding school system in the UK? There's definitely something to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, look at all the pundits that, um, who come on TV. Uh, the uh, head of NATO, former head of NATO, uh, the prime ministers and... Um, uh, and a lot of the uh, uh, the Oxbridge set and the Eton set, a lot of them are security correspondents and um, and all that. And they're, they're all 
you know, they've all been a lot of them, a hell of a lot of them have been through that system. And I, I have started to make notes on that, but I'm like, um, well, you do wonder why someone would get. We don't know. Control. Obviously, we don't know what went on at school with these people. But a lot, a lot of kids have a really shitty time in uh, in expensive private schools, uh, and they seem to spend the rest of their life making the rest of society pay for that. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, but did did Putin go to boarding school? What's the system like in Russia? That's what <laughs> I want Putin went to a brilliant state school <laughs> a mixed mixed sex state school and it's turned out completely fucking sane <laughs> um oh yeah i was gonna ask you um before i realized that we'd already started uh have you been on threads yet have you been weaving any any threads on do you know what threads is all I know is, is that it's a 1984 BBC production about nuclear war. Well, I was going to make that point. All <laughs> oh, and... right. No, I don't know what Threads is. is. Is this a new thing like like that shitty AI thing that came out the other day that everyone went on? Chat, chat GPT. A chat GPT. I mean, it's not as interesting as Chat GPT. No, not at all. It's the, it's uh, Zuckerberg's made a rival Twitter. It's basically, it's exactly the same as Twitter, as far as I can understand. He's, called it, he's called it Threads. He's called it Threads. <laughs> after, the fucking... after the 1980s TV show about uh, the apocalypse. Oh my yeah. God. The drama of the nuclear bomb hitting fucking Sheffield, whatever it was. I'd like, well, the remake of Threads would be all uh, taking place on a, on a message board system like Threads, with people just getting mm. angry about it. I think that'd be quite a good show. Well, I, if... If that's the worst thing that happens to our planet over the next 10 years, loads of people having an argument on some shit AI platform, then... Uh, then no, that's but that's a, what will I'll trigger the war. The win for humanity. I don't know, is Putin on tw Twitter? Maybe maybe he was, he was holding out for threads. He's going to join threads. And then we'll have Putin and Biden on threads, and then they'll get into an argument about something. And uh, they'll take it. They'll take it, it Putin will probably have a little avatar that will be the, the old lady who um, pisses her pants when the bomb goes off in um, in the nineteen eighty four production. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good, actually. That's I'm gonna just I'm gonna upload everything. I upload on Threads is gonna be linked to the nineteen eighty show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna treat it like finally a, a fan forum for my favorite nineteen eighty yeah. show. <laughs> I get to see two hundred million people joining this fan. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it was launched today. So uh, yeah. you know, um, get on it, get on it now. Do you have Instagram? I do, but I still can't work out how to use it. Well, if you, I if use you Facebook. Into your Instagram. I, think, I can't understand why everyone doesn't just use Facebook for everything. But um, from what I understand, it's just um, old no, people talking about politics. Facebook is, uh, but Facebook's useless, and it's it's so much it's, better platform though. Like. Then Instagram, yes, is better. Than, but they're all all of the things that Zuckerberg does now is terrible. Um, Facebook used to be all right, but it's they've changed it. Do you not find every time you go on there? I mean, I don't go on there very often, so it makes sense. It's like a year later and I go on and everything's changed. But it's changed in the most pointless way, so it's much harder to navigate. I, I don't know. I just find Facebook more and more difficult to understand. Instagram as well. All I know is that I'm not going to be too opinionated about it because I've noticed that every single person who is over 40 only get, only understands Facebook and every single person I know who's under 40 only likes Instagram. So I think there might just this is a brain thing rather than a uh, rather yeah, than yeah. a um, uh, rather Instagram than a though is is pretty shit as well. It's just tried to become TikTok and kind of 
it doesn't know what it is now. Can't, un- can't understand it at all. Can't navigate it. Click on something, it turns into something else. Yeah, that's true. Well, I don't, and I, I imagine Threads is going to go the same way. I'm not sure. But the thing about Threads is that the idea is that people move over from Twitter because they hate Elon Musk, I guess. That's why they've launched it now. Ugh, oh God. But the thing is, the whole point about Twitter is that you everybody's there. You want yeah. to have arguments with people uh, who disagree with you. Like it's, it's very boring. It's so far on Threads. It's just everybody hates Elon Musk. And everyone's agreeing with each other. I think that's going to yeah. get boring very quickly. Uh, and so unless the uh, Elon Musk people come over or... I don't know, I can see it. I can see it kind of failing and people just... Yeah, like, I definitely don't think you can have a, a social media platform based around not liking Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's going to last more Splash than a Slash liking the 1980 show Threads. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's going to quadruple its appeal. Um. What was the other thing I wanted to talk about? Oh yeah, water. I don't know if you've been uh, following what's going on with the uh, Thames water. No, I haven't followed that, but that's because I'm not in London. Well, I, well, okay, fine. It's a national story because it, it's about all the water companies, really. But uh, basically, all the water companies, but especially Thames Water, are heavily in debt. They can't pay for all of the uh, like. Basically, they're all spewing sewage all over the country, all of them, and none of them have any money to clean it up and sort out the system. Because it turns out... They're going to charge us to do it for about the next 90 years or something. Uh, But this was... Wasn't this a story from a few weeks ago, or was it a bit updated? Oh, it's it's ongoing because nobody knows what to do about it. Um, So the main issue... Yeah, I mean, it was a story from a few weeks ago, but like where the stories come from, because it's like... Has anybody noticed that for the last 40 years this has been happening? And mm. it's like, what I don't know what exactly... Yes, okay, it's it's got particularly alarming now with the, the amount of sewage that's being pumped out. But this is a, this is an you know, incremental process that's happened, the decline of these water companies. But suddenly it's become major news, which I, I feel like there is a push for nationalisation at the moment. Um, that's certainly being talked about seriously in a way mm. that it wasn't. Although neither of the two main parties are in favour of it, yet it's still being talked about somehow. Well, there you go. What a surprise. Uh, so, <laughs> so when is... it was actual policy of one of the main parties, it wasn't taken seriously. But now that neither party wants to do it, maybe we should do it, yeah. Um, the, the main thing is basically they're heavily in debt um, because one of maybe it's just because having a national system of pipes that deliver water to everybody's house isn't a viable business which is fine it certainly wouldn't be my first idea for a startup no i'm gonna physically join every street to every house with some plastic piping uh and then maintain that indefinitely forever um please can i be a billionaire now well, so all of the money that there's been no reinvestment apparently for four years, all money has gone towards either paying off their own debts and anything left over is um, either taxed or goes as a dividend. Yeah, well, I mean, again, this is this is one of my um, one of my uh, I'd say hot take, but it's so predictable that it's really a very cool, lukewarm take, which is yes, we should, probably should fucking nationalize all of these industries. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, that's just going back to the Corbyn thing, though. Again, yeah. That, well, I, I like, okay. I I I'm, I want to say uh, take that argument a little bit further because there is there are obviously arguments nationalisation that 
has its faults. It doesn't work very well either, right? But one of the reasons, the problem with all of this is, like, it could work as a privatized company. Like, there are arguments, the regulations could be better and stuff. It could do. It could work as nationalized um, industry as well. But the problem is that we have the sort of political political class in this country that just doesn't take any of this stuff seriously, doesn't understand that basically you've you've got to run these things as a loss. That's fine. Yeah. But they they what having clean water <laughs> helps the rest of the economy. <laughs> And yes. you'll see, you won't see direct pro, you don't see, and even a nationalized company, like they'll want to run it, you know, not at a loss. They'll be like, oh, we don't want to spend too much money on the water company. We want to recoup some of this. It's like, no, it's a total, just, just, it's fine. You know, you're just going to lose shitloads of money in the water company and, and the rail company. I mean, the thing with the water company is, um, like, there's, there's only sort of two ways it can go. Either you have clean drinking water or everyone dies. So it's quite yeah. sort of immediate, the effect. With the railway, yes, you can have sort of gradients of really shit nationalized rail or incredible high-speed rail that connects everybody in the country. And the difference between those, yeah, a lot more money is spent. But uh, as far as the, how the country functions, how other businesses can function, you know, there's just no, that's completely gone out the window. And that's the problem. So it doesn't matter if it's nationalized or not at this point. You have to have a complete change in the ideology of how this country works for any of these things to function. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I I go on trains all the time, and um, I, this is, again feels like the most obvious point ever. But it is. Uh, I sat on first class the other day because I, it was so cr- crowded. Um, again, as usual, I was in just like the vestibule, and I tried to stand up to go to the fucking cattle class to appease the powers that be that aren't even there Uh, and I I stood up and almost fainted and I was like oh screw this I'm going to sit in first class and I I sat there and the uh and the guy came up to me he was really nice but he was like uh, and he said I'll get you a water he got me a water um and then he came back again five minutes later he goes well the thing is obviously other people have paid to be here um so you do have to go to the other carriage and he was really sweet about it but it's like the other people have paid to be there, but it's like, that's, so I'm, you're, you're getting me to go to a shit part of the train, which is crammed full of people, instead of staying here, just because other people who've paid money are going to be uh, jealous that I didn't pay as much money as them for this seat. It's absurd. Like the whole train system, it's like that uh, film Snowpiercer. It's like th- that's like a metaphor. The train that c- continually goes in the future, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not a metaphor in your case. It is it's a not a metaphor. It's not a metaphor for anyone. That literally going on the trains is both metaphorically and literally class <laughs> politics in action, money in action. Um, poor c- conductors f- um, imposing uh, the. Uh, uh, restrictions on uh, on people to the extent that they put them in the most appalling, con- very poor conditions, um, even if they're faint or whatever, um, so that they appease the idea that from, from uh, that there are some moneyed people around who might not like the fact that you're getting something for free. Now, obviously, that is to me that is just the most obvious thing that we should abandon. 
um, first class or or, ne- or pretty much abandon um, first class carriages and just open up the trains because then there'll be loads of room for everyone. It'll be really nice. Um, it's not that difficult to to arrange that system. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not exactly gung ho for nationalisation of everything, but it's like it's obvious. It's obvious in the in the sense in the case of the trains and the case of some of these other things like uh, that water uh, water. I mean, it's just a no-brainer. So fucking stupid. But that's yeah, why quite, I can't really. I, like I struggle a little bit to engage in these uh, in these debates about domestic policy because it's fucking obvious what we should do in this country. Well, well, yeah, but you also just said it was fucking obvious what we should do in foreign policy. So to you, it's all it's very <laughs> obvious, isn't it? <laughs> but I, I like this Are idea. You saying right? there any chance that I might be incredibly consistent? On- <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that. Um, yeah, as as a socialist or someone that has sort of socialist uh, pretensions, should we say? Yeah, you should just swan into first class carriages and stuff all the time because you always get this stuff with like if, if you have any left wing politics, people are like, yeah, but w- well, why do you buy things? Why are you a consumerist? You know, yeah. and it's like, well, well, because I live in a capitalist society. But if you prefer, yeah, I, I'd I'd rather just walk around not paying for anything and just sort of <laughs> walk into first class carriages and say, well, under my well, this, in my this, political view, this, this is all the same. This actually gets to this actually gets to one of the reasons why I think that I don't identify as a socialist or any of these things because I think we're all all of the things. We're all consumerists. We're all socialists. When we need the fire brigade, we're we're socialists. When we um when we want a can of coke, we're consumerists. Um, we're all of these things all the time. Um, um, all of us simultaneously. So to put a label on it, I always find a bit uncomfortable. I certainly yeah, no, I completely reject, agree. Um, you know, the, certainly don't reject consumerism. I'm, you know, I'm, cons- I'm quite a consumerist person. I bought this from Marx's last week. I, I bought two of the fuckers because I like Mark, Mark Spencer's great shop. Although you will <laughs> buy two of them because it doesn't last very long. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So all of these things are kind of like, uh, yeah, we're, we're all these all these identities all the time. And it's like, um, so what do you want to, you know, what, what to do about that? Well, um, I th- OK, so what I think is actually going on there is it's a way of uh, sort of dismissing your your view. You're, you're an ide- ideologue, right? By 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 sort of having um, some vague questioning of Ukraine's narrative around putting explosives on the roof of a nuclear power plant or wanting to think maybe nationalizing the water industry is a viable option right people say oh you're a socialist yeah and that's like well you're you're ideologically driven you read loads of books about marx and stuff whereas if you're if you're just a sort of centrist or whatever like you don't have to read anything it's just a common sense view i think people try to you know there's a drive isn't there there's a, a desire to put people into boxes and also to categorize them um, as uh, socialists, communists, or whatever it is. I mean, I think the only thing that you could perhaps say that I genuinely uh, am is uh, I, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty much a peacenik. Uh, but that's not to say even then, I'm, I'm certainly not a, um, a pacifist. No, um, no, when it comes to trade, I, w- I would probably quite strongly identify as a peacenik, because I do think that negotiation in a nuclear age is, um, it, you know, is it, it's such a no-brainer. It, it's not like um, a, any other national policy where there's discussion. Uh, to, to me, it's like, you know, we, we have to go down down that route. So I'm fairly committed to the sort of what you could label me as peacenik. But even then, it's like, you know, there are times when uh, when you fight. In fact, even with Ukraine, I mean, obviously, there needed to be some kind of reaction to Russia's escalation. 
um, but uh, but not not the reaction that we have uh, that we have engaged. Um, and obviously, the whole point is that that wouldn't have even happened in the first place if we'd um, uh, been involved in uh, in good faith uh, negotiations with uh, Russia at the minimum for the previous uh, eight years. Uh, and in fact, much, much more importantly, had been engaged in constructing a um, uh, an international architecture of uh, of treaties and uh, and arms agreements and so on uh, for the previous thirty years. Which I can't remember if I said it on. I don't know if it was your show or not. But that's what people like me have been saying since the late nineteen mid nineteen nineties. Um, completely contrary to the fucking wankers that were going around talking about bombing and escalation and destroying Putin and. Um, you know, he's going to commit suicide any minute. Oh, he's ill. He's got cancer. He's got a weird puffy face. So oh, no, that's one's left. Now that's gone. Yeah, I know. Just... Um, <laughs> Every oh, week. Right. It's like loads, uh... loads of lies at the beginning of a war that turn out to be completely false and deliberately planted by our side to get the enthusiasm uh, up of the populations because they know it's going to be a really terrible time. I had an argument with someone the other day who was, well, it wasn't even much of an argument because it just no one really has a leg to stand on. Because you're a peacenik. So straightforward. Um, but I talked to someone about on YouTube, I think it was, and um, they were saying about, um, well, it sounds like you just want the Ukraine, you're complaining about high oil prices when the Ukrainians are the ones that are dying. And it's like, yeah, I'm complaining about all of that. The Ukrainians dying, Russians dying, high oil prices, high food prices, all of these things causing massive suffering around the world. Yes, Ukraine happens to be the uh, the, the focal point of, of uh, mass death, a cauldron of death. Um, but, you know, there are people out there who aren't lunatic ideologues. There are ordinary people like me who advocate for not continuing what um uh claire i forgot her name um irish politician uh said uh, she's called uh, uh called ukraine uh, the permanent abattoir mm. <laughs> kind of, that's quite a nice phrase the permanent abattoir would you keep pouring people in there and just death comes out the other end but you know what what we want there is a um is some kind of settlement it's gonna be extremely difficult now you can't really do it you have to be some kind of frozen conflict but with some kind of you know, prisoner exchange and agreements and all those kind of things, but can't really get it done properly now. But anyway, but, but the point is, this this isn't just a Ukrainian problem. In the same way, it isn't just a Russian problem. This is a global problem. It's causing massive economic um, uh, difficulties across Europe, particularly in uh, in Germany, but across Europe, um, and with ramifications for the whole world economy, which causes death and disease, poverty and all of these things. And of course, that's before we even think about the amount of money that we're pumping into it with weapons, but also in the political instability that's being caused by this, the opportunities that are being wasted uh, in all sorts of different ways. Do you see um, the Germans um, the coming board. round because because it, ha it ha it's been so disruptive in Germany? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I think there might be... Um, uh, when the uh, leader of Germany is uh, deposed, that maybe that will uh, maybe that will make a difference. But I, I don't know the um, the ins and outs of that. But I mean, obviously, eventually, uh, there's been a lot of protests. But yes, I don't really. Follow yeah, I mean, I mean, Germany's got. Uh, I think I always feel Germany's got kind of got a healthier sort of society 
than Britain does in terms of uh, anti-war, but just just generally. Well, um, it, it, but, but it doesn't it, appear to have um, dealt with uh, this particular. Uh, this well, particular it used to, right? Well. As as a reaction to not having a particularly healthy relationship with war, but then there has been since actually the whole Ukraine thing. There has been a real shift towards. I mean, militarization also in Japan. Yeah, as, yeah. as, as it has happened, sort of um in in Russia and and China but you know that they were sort of China obviously has been sort of naturally rising as a as sort of a second superpower but then uh, on top of that these other countries have also come back this is militarization around the world now um yeah but, but it's, I think it's going that way you know, the, the answer to the Ukraine war is going to be some more wars so that we forget about it yeah but the only other the only other major wars that could the most likely wars to happen, though, um, are one on Iran or one on China, and they're going to be, if anything, no, 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 Ch Ch Taiwan. No, well, one on Taiwan for about five seconds before the United States gets involved, and then it then it becomes a war on China. Well, that's the thing. I mean, what if if China invaded Taiwan? What is America actually going to go to war with China over Taiwan? I think they'll do something similar to what they've done with Ukraine. Um, yeah. Um, and that's the mean and then you just get another another abattoir another permanent yeah, you get another abattoir but also it's, it's, it would be more difficult um from what i understand of the regional problems because it's surrounded by because there's so much sea there it wouldn't be easy to protect um or, or defend um taiwan over a longer period of time yeah but i think it would escalate more quickly um and be more of a you know this thing in um in uh, ukraine can be this could potentially be bled out over a period of more months and, and years um but i don't think that that can really happen because of the uh the geography of the region in the south china sea but then you've um, got chinese military coming to cuba sustain, um there wouldn't be a, a a bridgehead or whatever it's called there wouldn't be a, a landmass for the united states to be able to uh fight from or on um, so I don't think I don't think it would quite work like that. So it'd be a, a much uh, an even more risky conflict than um, than what's happening in, in Ukraine. But yeah, but, but then the Chinese are moving into Cuba, which is interesting as well. Oh, so yeah. Well, they have they can have a fight. Some, they're they're always going to have some kind of influence economically, but the extent to which. Uh... Well, they're talking about a military base there, right? I don't know if that's all bluster. Um, mm. I think it'd be quite funny if they did do that particularly because it's exactly what Russia's issue is with Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, Cuban Missile Crisis all over again. Yeah. Um, hmm. would be, uh, I think just yeah. because of how funny it would be, they should probably do it. Um, yeah, yeah. I can, I can think of other funny things. <laughs> what about Anton Deck on a Saturday night? <laughs> what about going back to the jungle? That's uh, true, but and, but I don't know if it's as funny. We we have to, you know, not as to, funny you know. as. <laughs> well, it might be. It might be. It might be funnier. Alan Deck might still prevail, but we have to. We have to see. What well, now that this is on the table? If I have to, um, up on you know on ITV you've got Alan Deck on BBC One you've got America invading Cuba over <laughs> the Chinese military base. Well, that brings us to another element of comedy, which is uh, Jonathan Pye, because we actually wrote an article this week, didn't we? Oh, yeah, we did. Um, uh, we wrote an article. We're journalists now. It was, it was quite short, really. 
Well, um, it wasn't initially. I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? You, we wanted to say more, but... Yeah, I can't remember what else we were going to say, but basically, for those great. of you who are listening to this, uh, me and Daniel wrote uh, an article about Jonathan Pye, um, the uh, comedian, uh, sort of political comedian, and we wrote it for the Morning Star. And what were we saying? Um, so, well, I wanted to link it sort of naturally from what we were talking about before, as if this isn't all staged this conversation because oh, we're talking well, about not, this isn't staged I mean, as if i'm not reading from a script right now <laughs> that we've been rehearsing for weeks um, um yeah so we were talking before about like i think there's like a delegitimizing of people that have certain political positions and one of them is sort of calling you a socialist or something like that as oh if, yeah you know you're an extremist and so even though for me, I don't actually read very much, to be honest, certainly not any sort of theoretical stuff. I read the news and it's really, uh, for me, it is a sort of common sense take. It's just that I've, I mean, maybe I've got a slightly different background or, or more media literacy. I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say that I'm better than everyone else, but it, for me, it's just very naturally when I read this stuff, this is sort of the conclusions I'm drawn to. But what happens is that people, like if you have a kind of left wing position, if it's sort of outside of this agreed place, then it's it's coming from some deep rooted ideological position that you have for some reason. Well, that's what it's yeah. framed as. Whereas if if you just kind of go along with it, you're you're the uh, you're just the normal, just the normal person. That that's just the common sense. The common sense is is yeah. what you know. And I, and I, anyway, my point about that is like that bleeds into comedy, right? So. Someone like uh, Jonathan Pye, um, who I think we, we were saying, I'm not, I didn't get into arguments about how funny Jonathan Pye is, but I think we both agree he's got, it's a brilliant format. The whole way, the whole okay, setup. I'll say, just very quickly then I'll say, one, I think we both agree that Jonathan Pye is a brilliant format. But secondly, I'd also- I've got to get a plug for my laptop, but you you keep going. because I, I, I would also say that secondly, I saw Jonathan Pye at the end of May at Shindig Festival. And he did maybe a 50 minute set, maybe an hour, I guess maybe 50 minutes. And it was really, really good. Like, um, I thought it was really funny, really enjoyed it. Um, had no sort of, you know, didn't feel that he was saying anything sort of bad or anything like that. Not that it would really matter even if he was, because he's a comedian. Um, and I did think that was really funny. Um, I mean, his main topics were... Um, he did about 20 odd minutes on the Tories and then he did about a quarter of an hour on um, uh, on cancel culture. Um, so you can see that he picks those kind of targets, which are quite easy. Um, and that's why I sort of thought that's what made me think, well, you know, it's worth commentating on on him to some extent. But but I, I, I do feel that without. Um, yeah, it kind of goes as without saying that I think he's a good comic. He's been very popular and successful. But I did think that it was legitimate for us to sort of critique him a little bit, because particularly if you're sort of presenting yourself as a kind of infuriated voice of truth, you know, who sort of speaks the truth off camera a little bit like the, I'm as mad as hell and I, uh, whatever. Yeah, I was thinking that. He's actually like a mirror to sort of um, Nick Ferrari. take it anymore sort of thing. It's like, well, if you're going to sort of have that kind of vibe about you, then maybe we could engage in that in that discussion. About As you whether, said, there isn't much written right. about him, right? There isn't much written about 
what and there isn't anything saying. really written about him. And I think it's partly like I spoke to my next door neighbor last night, and she was just like, "Well, why did you do that article? Like, he's just a, he's just an entertainer. He's a satirist, right? This and is I'm, it. This is the thing. If he's a satirist, then 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 he's raising political issues, and therefore he's a political figure. And if he's not a satirist, um, then uh, but this you know this I mean? is it's because like, yes, but this is because like, his satire comes from a place of well, actually, it's it's just sort of common sense stuff. Yeah, and and, the, and and it's just comedy, you know. And, the, and I was I said this to you in the I got news for you one, or in something that we've done before. Like, if if you did a sort of Jonathan Pye character, but your 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 outlook was all um, racist, right? <laughs> Basically, yeah. you know, like you said, it was uh, it was all the Jews. You know, well, they won't tell you. You know, the real story is that it's all the Jews' fault. That's why there's war in yeah. Ukraine. You know, that's. That's why the water they've been they've been hacking away at the pipes. You know, it's like that that's political satire, right? But it's coming from a right way, and it'd be like, yeah. um, should we talk about that? Yeah, so, yeah. So we should definitely you, yeah. critique that. Everyone, my neighbor would then be like, Oh my god, I can't believe that this guy's out there. He's a lunatic. Yeah, yeah. He's a, but it's a no, it's no, a, it's yeah. I know he's I know he's saying it's all the Jews, but it's just a, it's a comedy it's thing. Dumb. Why what's the big deal? <laughs> you know, and it's so but that's because of yeah, where where um, pie comes from. <laughs> The Ukraine war was caused because Jews got in the pipes. Is that what you just said? Yeah, it was. Well, it's clearly. I mean, I mean, I don't want to say you know the the whole correlation thing, but you know there has been the as as the relationship between Ukraine and Russia has gone down, there has also been substantial problems with Thames Water, and that's. <laughs> but yeah, so they. But you wouldn't say that about Pi, right? Because Pi is normal to commentate on on them. But actually, with Jonathan Pi, I've seen really. Next to no criticism. The other interesting thing about that is that Pi had uh, sort of markets himself. I don't want to say that, but you know, he his he positions himself as outside of what you actually get in the mainstream, yeah, the mainstream exactly. sort of arguments, right? But if he was outside of those, then there would be a lot more commentary on him. Yeah, yeah, but he's like, not, yeah, he's sort of that's a bit of he's feigning to be. Um, but we have talked about maybe he was a little bit more at the beginning. I yeah, I think he was. Yeah, he was definitely more Corbyn friendly at the beginning, um, and then I think when he joined RT uh, Russia Today, I think he um, you know he was able to continue that trajectory. And for me, I thought that was the interesting thing that he did when he left RT, and he, he didn't leave RT for any. He didn't say he had a problem with them. He didn't say he disagreed with them. He just—he was just like, "This isn't. This isn't." But good. there's a there's it's a, a revealing plan. quote. There's a revealing quote about the RT thing because when he when he joined it, he was asked about why have you got you know he was doing very he was doing very well on YouTube. He could have gone to a lot of different platforms. He joined RT and he was asked why did you join RT of all places and said, "Well, they were the only one that would let me uh, do my stuff without being editor editorialized or whatever." Yeah, which yeah. which means that he obviously did approach or was approached by other organizations probably the bbc mm. and, and the guardian and things like that but they said that they would like to have some sort of editorial control mm. he is now working for the bbc mm. and uh he we, he's done some stuff the new york times you know so mm. i mean maybe i'm speculating a bit too much but it seems to me that he would have immediately have gone to them and not rt had they allowed him to do anything he wanted but they didn't maybe they, they have now changed and that's why he's there or maybe he's now just settled with uh, their editorializing yeah, things. Sort of settled as being like, well, I'm doing quite well with this, and I sort of feel like I'm saying what I want to say. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, if I met Tom Walker or Jonathan Pye, the, the, the character, 
I would th- I'd be like, wow, yeah. Um, and like I said, I thought it was really good at, at Shindig Festival. I was there right at the beginning, and I was like, I'm really looking forward to this, and it was great. But I do sort of think it, th- there's not a great deal that you're going to get from him kind of politically is not anything that unusual. And if you look at the, I mean, look, I, I, for the, our research for the article, um, I don't know if I've actually spoken since, um, uh, uh, since then, but I did listen to the rest of the, or at least most of the um, uh, multi-part podcast for the BBC. And you can see even just by the title, titles of it, that it doesn't go into anything that, it just it doesn't want to go into controversial areas. You know, there's an episode on money. There's an episode on um, Brexit. Um, you know, it's those kind of topics that are just like they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna frighten the um, what's the phrase? Ruffle the sheep. <laughs> frighten, frighten the, the herd. Rock the sheep. Frighten the boats. Yeah, they're not gonna. Yeah, they're not gonna rock the sheep. <laughs> yeah, that actually <laughs> works quite well. You know, the sheep. You know the the sheeple. It's mm. not going to rock them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I I do think, as you say, the reaction to it is what's the most interesting thing. Is that uh, he come he on the one hand gets the plaudits for being this outspoken truth teller going against the mainstream, but mm. also he doesn't really. Therefore, you don't get you don't need to crit to critique him because he's not saying anything controversial. Yeah, um, and he's kind of made himself immune from critique because he seems to be speaking on the outside. It's a brilliant idea. Um, I should probably copy that. Thank you, Jonathan Pye. I'll try and do that. Probably won't do it as well as you. <laughs> what? What the idea of, of not saying anything controversial? Well, I don't know. I just, I, no, I, I wouldn't even. No, the, the brilliant thing about it is the conceit yeah. of the yeah. guy turning away, and and the the original videos actually, I'm sure a lot of people did think they were genuine. Because it actually reminds me of a clip of Paul Mason um, from a similar period when he he's talking about um, you know one of the banks RBS or something um, having another scandal and uh, he's just done a report for Channel Four in the City of London standing outside the RBS building. Then he does a little piece to camera and and they put it on YouTube and it's him saying you know I just can't believe I'm here again in the City of London. Yes. Do you remember that? And yeah. these people have been around the time that Jonathan Pye started. Yeah, yeah. And 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 there have been stuff like that before, like genuine journalists kind of saying something to camera, half sort of being caught on camera and and, and but certainly sort of not some what they're doing live. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could imagine watching a Jonathan Pye not knowing who he is in 2015 and thinking, whoa, well, this is wild. This is like mm. a BBC reporter. Uh, and so that gives it that viral, and even if it's not, it's a parody of that viral energy of here's some weird thing that's happened on TV, and it go- and and obviously that worked really well. So yeah, the idea is is fantastic. I don't think Pi is well. This is the thing we were talking about the as well. I don't think Pi is that funny, and maybe it's because he's a bit of a creature. As and your uh, is this your your uh, philosophy? You're going to write a book about this? Creatures well, versus comedians. So yeah. Pi is a creature because he's more politically mind he's got a message that he wants to send that sort of usurps the comic impulse so that he tries to build comedy out of that rather than a pure comic who just minds any kind of position for for its comedy value yeah, and you, you were saying I, 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 you know yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of definitional distinctions and i i i do think about them 
I wonder how useful it is to think about them. Like I, I think someone like Norm Macdonald, for example, um, uh, New York comedian, died a couple of years ago. I would call him a pure comedian. He's purely thinking about how words, um, how language can play around with people's minds, tickle their minds, undermine their assumptions and all that kind of thing. He's not really got an agenda anywhere going on there. I'd say he's a pure comedian, just in the same way that Tommy Cooper is a pure comedian, because all he's trying to do is make you laugh and just mess around with your um, your perceptions. Harry Hill? And a clown would be doing the same thing. Um, Harry and Hill? I, I really think that's great. That, Harry uh, Hill? I sort of really respect that. And Harry, Harry Hill, Hill, if that's what... Harry I'm Hill. saying Harry Hill. Fuck Although Harry Hill did that amazing... Did you see... I, I saw um, just before the coronation. Did you see that amazing video of Harry Hill doing a song about Camilla? No, I will find out right after this. Though, I, it's so funny. I love um, Harry Hill. I, I, he was obviously. I can't just as a digression. It, it's an insane video that's got about not very many views, but enough to mean that he can never ever get any kind of recognition from the state. He's not going to get an MBE or an OBE because it's just a song of him um, screaming into the into the uh, in the studio, going, "She will never be queen." <laughs> and is brilliant. it from TV Burps or has he just done it again, a bit like well, off camera, like a I Paul think, Mason? I, I I think he might have just done it to be like, "Fuck everything, I don't give a shit." It was it's really funny and the the tune's quite catchy as well. Anyways, but generally speaking. Yeah, um, people like Harry Hill are, you know, they're going for, and indeed Norm Macdonald, even though he's a kind of intellectual, he's very much channeling kind of Russian literature and a lot of the things he's doing. Um, you know, they, they are they're not they're not really political. Whereas preachers like Bill Hicks, um, are uh, and George Carlin are they're kind of they're not really coming up with the sort of absurd, throwaway. Um, twisted idea at the beginning they're really being informed by by a philosophy and that means that they're probably going to be slightly less gut gut-wrenchingly funny but i still see them as equally valuable it's just it depends what you sort of want i, I definitely don't think that one should be put over over the other really i, I think but both kinds of of, uh, of performers are are really good i don't know quite what jonathan pye is i think possibly he's he's a little bit like someone who's feigning to have the kind of political philosophy, but I don't think that Tom Walker really cares enough about any of that to, for it really to be much. Um, and then, and then the kind of comic idea, the sort of comic ideas, the sort of absurd ideas, the sort of uh, twisted, um, brain tickling ideas, the um, uh, 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 the uh, absurdist conceits aren't really strong enough either really Jonathan Pye is a you know it's a very good concept it's a very good conceit but um he's not really sustaining that on either either side of those scales really to be to be great at least not yet but maybe he will be yeah he does um the to me reminds me of Frankie Boyle in terms of the a lot of the comedy is based around insulting like creative insults yeah, Frankie people. Boyle does do that a hell of a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Frankie Boyle, I would say, is is more creative than uh, Pi in that. But they're, they're both quite good. I can't do that kind of thing. And the, and they do come up with some really funny images of mm -hmm. people 
<laughs> like I mean, I, th I think Frankie Boyle is. Uh, I wouldn't say such a. I wouldn't put that down as a failing of uh, Jonathan Pye. I'd put that more down to the fact that actually, um, yeah, Frankie Boyle, Boyle is amazing really, at that. Really good at that. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he's almost kind of got a kind of poet or literary sensibility that means that he just conjures up images really beautifully which is weird because whenever i've tried to read his books or indeed his graphic novel i couldn't get into them but maybe that's my own failing but certainly his stand-up is um that the uh his use of of uh imagery and um well it's, it's the only time he's inspired you see you can't force that stuff into having like a nice literary no novel but when he yeah. hates someone the art yeah. comes out you know and it, yeah I remember reading uh, Mark Crispin Miller's book on George uh, W. Bush, the uh, president from the uh, early 2000s. Um, and it was pointing out it was, the whole book was about um, Bush's malapropisms and, um, you know, the fact that he keeps misspeaking and not being able to articulate anything. Uh, and then uh, Miller, and I don't know if this is tr true, but I, I think you know, he'd analysed so many speeches. And he was like, however, I found one time when George Bush is actually incredibly articulate. It's when he's being really horrible. <laughs> yeah yeah right exactly he's such a fucking stinking psychopath <laughs> the only time he actually verbalizes things clearly um is uh, uh when he uh when he's being being cruel uh he did that one with the um uh all americans want to be able to put food on their family and those kind of <laughs> ridiculous things. And, and and bush in fact was the one who uh said only last year wasn't it um about the uh the terrible invasion of uh um Putin and his horrible illegal invasion of Iraq. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Biden incredible. did the same thing just a few weeks ago, um, accidentally naming um, Iraq instead of uh, Ukraine. And uh, these are, you know, well, it's, it, it never leaves you. You know, you're haunted by these, you know, it's like that, the, the murder. That well, you, is it is it haunting? Is... In, in Bush's case, I, I don't know how, I almost think, you know, because he laughed after it. I, I think he probably is a bit, so I, I don't know all these sort of um, you know diagnoses of people, but he seems pretty sociopathic at least. Let's say no, um, not anymore because now he's, he's now he's nice, isn't he? Now, now he's, he's nice. nice. He, he paints and he's not Donald mean. Trump. I mean, what more do you want from a person? I'm yeah. going to put that on my uh, on my hinge date profile. Uh, I paint and I'm not Donald Trump. Yeah, <laughs> pretty nice guy. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. You'll be you'll be fighting them off with a howitzer. <laughs> Is that a World War Two weapon? <laughs> yeah, I think I was thinking of Himars. Uh, the no, I don't know. Did they still used? I don't know anything about weapons. No, I feel like Americans have a really good grasp of weapon knowledge. Just yeah, they 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 grasp grasp very well, and then they um, sell them uh, very well as well. No, we do as well, but it but it's only the elites. I don't know anything about. Uh, you your sound's gone. Oh, oh no, it's back. Maybe you just weren't talking. No, it's my <laughs> one loose connection. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was, I, I, during the period at which the uh, the sound cut out there, I made this incredible point. Um, oh it, yeah, it was world changing. I mean, I mean, you statistically, it was on the card you were going to at some point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was impossible for me to maintain this flow of utter bullshit for yet another episode without saying something profound. What did um, I want to say? I wanted to say some. I feel like oh, there was something else I wanted to mention to you, but I, have to, I can't remember now. Um, I feel like we we've covered pretty much everything. We've covered everything. We covered everything. 
foreign policy, domestic policy, comedy. Oh, your own comedy career. Because we were talking about... Well, this is uh, going to be a very short <laughs> discussion. What do you want to What do you want to know? No, because you were saying you weren't sure about which direction to go. You were talking about um, oh, Preacher versus Comedian. Oh, with Preacher versus Comedian. Well, yeah, that is actually a very difficult one. I don't really... What do you advise? Um, uh, comedian. I sort of... I don't know. Um, I'm taking a little bit of a break at the moment from comedy because not not a full on break, but just sort of easing up a little bit because I'm just finding that I'm going to the opening of an envelope and trying to be funny. And it's just uh, uh, just means that I'm not, um, you know, if you go to any old open mic all the time and try out new material all the time, then, you know, you're not able to sort of uh, do it to the best. So I thought, well, it'd be better to actually get outside of my usual haunts and do stuff that I know works more. Um, but in terms of being a, pr a preacher or not, um, I don't know. Um, I think probably certainly feel that there should be a bit of um, sort of consistent, coherent preaching going on with politics because it, it does reflect my life and, and knowledge base. Uh, but then I found when I've done a couple of gigs over the last few weeks where I've really preached and I've been like, I've got this exactly I, I know all these lines are really good and i know i'm making good satirical points about um international politics and there's been a, two or three times where the crowd's just been like huh what huh what? But this is this is material that has worked in other it's material that has worked but i think it's like um it's worked in in uh in other contexts but if you just hammer people with that um they just it's just tiring and gross and um whatever it's, it's uh, politics is a funny one you have to be quite light with it uh with with comedy um and so um i've been uh, uh i've been thinking well and i don't you don't always want to be talking about yourself as well but i've certainly uh someone said that i was dyspraxic a few weeks ago and i was like eh, that's probably true mildly um and so that's led me to sort of start thinking a bit more about exploring that you know kind of neuro neurodiversity and that kind of thing well it's very uh, uh on trend I think, I think it's quite you can be quite if you do polit political comedy it can be quite easy to um to alienate people and to um uh, and to not relate and to not connect because as soon as you say something that is slightly off what they believe then you've just kind of <laughs> kind of screwed up the fret, the sort of connection that you've got with an audience yeah so difficult it is difficult to do political comedy but um uh but yeah, yeah. I'm, sort of muddling, I'm muddling my way through that at the moment i don't really quite know what to what to say about it but i don't know if i'm a preacher or a or a sort of pure comic on the norm mcdonald line um but yeah, I'm sort of muddling my way through and I'll sort of, yeah, get to that. Why don't you uh, join threads and then ask everyone? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, hey, threads. Because I've got better do? things to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go and have a milkshake this afternoon. <laughs> That's my plan for the uh, as soon as we're finished here. Speaking of, we probably are, I think. I don't know. We've probably done almost an hour. Yep. Uh, all right then, uh, let's finish it there. Thanks, Matt, um, and thanks for listening. If anyone Everybody. does listen, yeah. Bye.